Would Houstonians ever eat insects, not just as a fear factor kind of dare, but because they are delicious? I'm here with two people who say, yes, we definitely should. Hugo Ortega is one of the city's best-known chefs. He is the guy behind Zochi and Hugo's and Herbe. Scott Solomon is an entomologist at Rice and one of our CityCast Houston contributors. It is Tuesday, March 15th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Hugo, thank you so much for joining us. Sure, no problem. A couple of nights ago, Scott and I and our CityCast Houston producer, Farrell Gibbs, all went to Zochi, and we had a great meal, starting with this lovely appetizer that involved cheese topped with ants and crickets. And that is really what I want to talk about today. It's the marvelousness of eating bugs, not as a stunt or as a fear factor dare, but as something that's delicious. I have a new definition for that. It's called very healthy fast food. <laughs> okay, this did not feel like fast food. Okay, but what do you, why do you say that? Well, I mean, traditionally, this is a pre-Hispanic um, protein, right? And uh, so, for example, you walk in any market in Oaxaca, or on any villages in Oaxaca, the first thing people does is go and get a few pesos of grasshoppers. So you go over there and, like I say, you buy uh, cinco pesos of, you know, of uh, grasshoppers, and that is 100% protein. Wow. So are you buying them, you know, alive, dead, cooked? How, how do you buy them? Mostly these um, insects, edible insects, excuse me, they are uh, toasted, a spice with some kind of powdered pepper, uh, herbs, or fry it. Um, my favorite, um, of course, it would be, I had the privilege to go to this uh, sesame seed field on the skirts of Oaxaca City, and uh, they were making um, a salsa uh, with grasshoppers, and then I try, and I say, my God, this salsa tastes like you put some um, uh, sesame seed on it. <laughs> and they look at me, and they say, Oh, uh, the grasshopper that we catch is from the sesame seed fields. Oh, wow. So that, <laughs> that, that was a, a incredible flavor, a nutty sesame seed flavor in there with the spice. I mean, it's, it's up there. Oh, wow. It's a, del it's a delicacy. So it's like, <laughs> it's like terroir with wine grapes. You can taste where the insect grew up. So, Scott, you got really excited uh, while we were at dinner, uh, in part because the ants that we were eating are very familiar to you. Could you talk about those? Absolutely. Well, look, I love any opportunity to try, you know, new foods. And, and um, when I travel, I love to, to experiment with different kinds of, of cuisines and, and eat what's local. And, um, and, and for many uh, of my trips, that's involved insects. <laughs> Um, but these particular insects that we were eating at uh, Sochi uh, happen to be uh, a species that is near and dear to my heart because it's actually a species that I studied for my PhD. So the the uh, chiquitanas, uh, as they're known in Mexico and in Oaxaca, are um, actually the queen of the leafcutter ant. And uh, leafcutter ants have been a subject of, of research for me for many years. And um, so the first time that I ate there, I, I saw the uh, ant mole, which is a delicious uh, sauce made from these chiquitana ants on the menu. And 
Um, I, I, you know, sampled it and it was delicious. And then I asked the waiter, well, what, you know, what kind of ant is this made from? And, and he brought some out and I got so excited because I immediately recognized them as, as leafcutter ant queens. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's fascinating to know a bit about their biology, but they're also just, uh, delicious to eat. And, uh, as we heard a great source of protein. I was kind of amazed by sort of the size of these ants. They were almost an inch long, and you said they were all queens. So how do you, just as a practical matter, get that many queens? Right. So usually an ant colony has only one queen in the nest. And so, you know, going into the nest to find the ant queen would be like impossible. Leafcutter ant nests are enormous. They can have 5 million ants. They can be, you know, the size of a small room. Uh, So what people typically do is they collect the new queens when they emerge from a nest during a mating flight. So just uh, once or maybe just a few times a year, um, the uh, new queens and males will leave the nest and they have wings at that time. They'll fly up into the air to try to find a mate and then the queens would go on to establish a new nest. So at that time, it becomes possible to collect a whole lot of those ant queens because they're emerging by the you know, tens of thousands. Um, And so people often um, will harvest them during that time that they have their mating flights. So those are ants in Oaxaca. Could we grow our own ants here in Houston? Or are there other native insects that we could be eating? I came across the opportunity when I opened Hugo's 20 years ago. And a few years later, um, these people out of Austin, they came to offer her grasshoppers. But the only problem is, I think it was a different species, probably Scott no more about this. Uh, the grasshopper, the Chapulín, was a little bit much bigger than, you know, the species that I had saw in Oaxaca. So one thing is to eat the delicacy that is, you know, the, the tip of your fingers big and completely different thing is to eat a grasshopper that is one inch, <laughs> an inch and a half, or, yeah. <laughs> or the fat ones would be a little larger than that. And, that would, um, you know, might play games with your mind, but I was not afraid, so I tried it, and they were delicious. And I don't know what and that happened with this company out of Austin, but we've been lucky enough to be able to import and help the beautiful people of Oaxaca. So, you know, we continue to import those. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the reasons that people have become really interested in, in insect foods now, I mean, one reason is that, of course, there's a sort of a resurgence of interest in traditional foods, traditional ingredients and, and cuisines, as, as Hugo was saying, which is which is really cool. Um, another reason that people are excited about insects as food is that they are very sustainable. I mean, if you compare, you know, raising insects as livestock, basically, to raising other types of livestock like, you know, chicken or pigs or or cows, um, it's first of all, way easier to raise insects. They require much less space. And that means you can actually raise them indoors. It's great for um, for an urban environment. I mean, you can you can be growing crickets or, or mealworms or, or all different types of insects in an indoor setting right in an urban environment. So that's one bonus. Okay. So when I'm planning my survivalist strategy, I can get an aquarium for my living room or puts them out on my apartment balcony. You might want to have a little bit of distance that <laughs> you might not want them right where you're living, but, but yeah, but you can raise them indoors yeah. and, and, okay. and so they don't take much space. They require much, much less water. That's another reason that, you know, as far as sustainability goes, they're a real, they're a real bonus. I mean, like 40% of the water that we humans use goes to raising livestock, which is crazy. And insects require much less. 
Um, the other thing is that it takes less food to feed them, right? I mean, if you're going to raise a livestock for every one kilogram of chicken, you need two and a half kilograms of feed. For pork, it's five kilograms. For beef, you need 10 kilograms of feed to raise one kilogram of beef. For crickets, it's just 1.7 kilograms. So much, much less feed is required. So that's a real bonus for sustainability. And then the uh, the other thing is that they produce less uh, greenhouse gases. You know, sort of cows sort of famously fart methane, <laughs> and so and and yeah, so you know, so if you're raising insects, you're you're contributing less to greenhouse gas emissions than than raising other forms of animal protein. So there's a lot of reasons why it's great for sustainability, and it's great for you know an urban environment like Houston. So it would be great to get more insect farming going right here in Houston, if we could. Hugo, you were saying that insects are good for us, right? Uh, about five years ago, so we did an exercise with a, I forgot the name of the person, but this person also was very um, into it with edible insects. So he told me, Hugo, 30 grams of toasted grasshoppers or cooked grasshoppers equivalent to a Whopper burger. Now just imagine that the 30 grams, you know, pure protein is much more friendly to your body and your stomach, especially, um, and to your diet than eat a Whopper burger, which is, you know, the bread and the meat and, and all this stuff. So that's something to consider. And, you know, 30 grams is just, you can put that in the palm of your hand, you know, and, but anyway, it's, I think it's much more healthy like i say you know it's a healthy fast food <laughs> yeah it's totally healthy i mean it's got like similar amounts of protein to beef but it's got way less fat and actually has more vitamins than than beef does so i mean it really is a healthy way of getting animal protein so we could take some of those big texas grasshoppers and grind them into burgers possibly i love the idea you know what we can do is toast it and make salad of it oh scott I have been fascinated to hear how much you have cooked insects and that you do it fairly frequently at home. Uh, could you talk about that and how your kids regard them? Well, I don't want to embarrass my kids too much here, but yes, they, they have grown up <laughs> with uh, insects as a normal part of, of the food that we eat um, because it's something that I've been interested in and passionate about um, for, for a long time. And so um, another thing is that in my role as a, as a professor at, at Rice University, I've often tried to introduce rice students to, you know, the, the, the pleasure and the, uh, the benefits of eating insects. So um, I've often had events where we have offered students various types of edible insects. And, and yeah, so I often cook them myself. I don't do it nearly as well as, uh, as Chef Hugo does, but I try my best. And, and um, so crickets and mealworms are a common one that are easy to get um, and, and relatively easy to cook. So you just order these and they come in the mail? Yeah, you can order them from um, places that actually are providing food uh, for, for the pet supply, for the pet industry, uh, because they're raising them in hygienic conditions and they all arrive live. Um, and then you can, um, you know, you stick them in a freezer overnight and then you can you can cook them. So, um, you know, it's it, it's it's fun. And, and I find that people really get excited about the opportunity to try something like that and are often very pleasantly surprised with how how delicious it, that it is. So, so Scott, I very interesting that you just mentioned we can buy this in the pet store. So, what do you do? You go to the Petco store and say, "I want some 
or what you know what insects you have or you say what edible insect you have so i order them actually from fluker farms which is in louisiana and they have a large facility where they they raise uh, a, a number of different insects mostly crickets and mealworms i order the crickets at a and i can give you the exact dimensions but you can order what developmental stage you want and i find that ordering them a bit on the younger side is helpful because they don't have fully developed wings once they get full wings, then the texture of the wings is not as pleasant. But if you get them before they get large wings, they're big enough to be to be, you know, a, a good size to eat, but not so big that they have um, big wings yet. I wanted to ask how people in your restaurants accept the insects. I mean, you make it very clear on the menu at Zochi that, you know, these are ants and crickets. There are little pictures um, decorating the menu of, of ants and crickets. I think it's been a, a a wonderful experiment in the beginning, and now it's a realization. Uh, I just hope that someday I can make a little mole and put it in a jar and, you know, give it to Scott. Maybe Scott and I need to come on business <laughs> and say, hey, Scott. Count me in. <laughs> you know, let's do Scott is so excited. Let's do <laughs> Let, let's do something together, you know, and, and an advocate like Scott or, or Professor Scott, as we say, it, it, that's what it takes, you know, to, to inform people on how, what is the next step, you know, on our wonderful f food chain, right? You know, the first years that we opened Hugo's, they call me to the table and say, you know, explain how you eat this. So I try every single trick and I say, you can cook it like this, you can... Blend it, make salt, or season the food with the, with that. Or and some people just you know they don't see it. Uh, he say there is another way. I say yeah sure. So I uh, order a fly of tequila. I say you take that first, and then you when I have a problem, try the grasshoppers, <laughs> <laughs> and they get a kick out of that. Oh, I like this. Our sustainable food future fueled by tequila. Well, tequila has a long history with insects, right? I mean, the, the the tequila worm or the, you know, in mezcal. Yeah, the maguey worm is, which, as I understand, was originally used to kind of prove that it is a high quality liquor because if the alcohol content is too low, the worm will, will start to decompose. So by showing that it has an intact worm, you're sort of proving that this is high quality stuff, right? But then it's also those <laughs> those worms actually are uh, are feeding on the agave plant, and so they're a pest for you know people that are producing mezcal and tequila. So it sort of serves two purposes, right? You can prove the quality of your product, but you're also practicing pest control. Yeah, is that the same worm, Hugo, that you use in the gusano salt? Uh, gusanos de maguey is one type. Uh, I have seen uh, um, also corn worms. They are uh, wonderful, and I have tried those. They uh, very sweet, and I've been used both of those. I want to ask each of you, if you're advising someone who has never eaten an insect before what to start with, what would you pick? I would say, like what Scott, Scott mentioned, right? He said, um, I have tried the um, chicatana mole. You know, they taste like beef, but it's not beef. And you serve it on top of the steak. Sochi, so yeah, and you're serving it on top of a steak. Uh, yeah, at Sochi, so it makes the beef even beefier. All right, Scott, one insect, one dish. What would you recommend? 
Gosh, if it's just one, I, I mean, I have to agree about the mole. I think it's just, it's such a delicious sauce and it you don't know that you're eating an insect if, if somebody doesn't tell you that. So I would suggest that uh, as as the go-to. But I mean, I think that it, it's so much of this is just psychological, right? If, you, if you've grown up with, with insects as food, then it's totally normal. And we have to remember that we in, here in Houston, we are used to eating foods that other people might find strange. I mean, we don't think twice about eating shrimp or oysters or crawfish, but hey, those are kind of weird foods too, right? So, you know, why not a cricket or or an ant queen, right? Um, so it's just a matter of what you're what you're used to and what you've grown up with. And hey, if it's delicious, then give it a shot. I think that's so Houston. If it's delicious, we'll try it. All right. Well, thank you both so much for doing this. This has been really fun. Oh, yes. Scott and Lisa, thank you. And it's time for some news around Houston. Dina, what's going on? Hey, y'all. I got some fun news to share. Justin Verlander, the eight-time all-star pitcher, is back with the Astros. He missed out the entire 2021 season after his Tommy John surgery. And look, okay, if you're like me and you had no idea what that was, let me tell you what it is. (laughs) It's when a perfectly fine tendon is extracted from an arm and then put into another arm that has a torn ligament. So we can kind of get an idea why he was out for an entire season. (laughs) Justin signed a one-year deal for 2022 with the Astros. I have no idea what the details of that deal are because it is not made public for all of us to read. That is it for our show today. If you like hanging out with us and you want more, sign up for our newsletter. It's at houston.citycast.fm. We will be back tomorrow. Talk with you then. The angle that the, the I would take is have incest with a cold beer for happy hour. Oh my gosh. Oh. I, 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 think, I think that would, that would work. An insect <laughs> flight. Yeah. <laughs>